The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Roberts. And as always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Roberts. And here on a magnificent Monday edition of the Yard Bulldogs, Heather Nashville, take care of business. We're going to break all that down today. And that's the thing, too. We won big, and some of that's got to do with us. A lot of it's got to do with them. We didn't necessarily play clean at times. Though we did some good things, think we can play better. We'll have to play better down the stretch if we hope to be bowl eligible. But the Bulldogs pick up a big win, now 4-3 and three on the year. It's one of those things, too, it's almost more of a relief. But I think also, too, it's one of those deals, too, where, you know, we talk about, well, I just want to get a win. You know, well, last year we just got a win against Vanderbilt. We're thinking, oh, my gosh, man, what's the deal? I don't feel that way today. Not unhappy about the ball game. Think we can play better. Think we did what good teams do to bad teams, and we blew them out. I still think this is a good Mississippi State team. I may be in the minority, and that's okay. That is absolutely okay. I think the schedule, the remaining schedule, will bear me out there. I, from the beginning of the year, I feel like this is a 7-5 and five team. I don't know that I believe that right now. Maybe we're a 7-6 and six team. Maybe we go 6-6 six and six, win the bowl game. And we dropped that game to Memphis I was expecting to win. But we felt from the beginning of the year this was probably a solid bowl team. Maybe with a C win at eight and four on the floor at six and six, the over and under right there at seven and five. Every all that's still in play. Every bit of it. And so I like where we are as far as progressing since the Alabama game. You know, we could have come out there and just kind of gone through the motions and I don't know that Nash that Vanderbilt had enough offensively to really you know, make us pay for it, but I, I thought we looked pretty focused and, and Will Rogers now was a discussion all week is uh, well you know how healthy is Will you know I don't think he was 100% but I, th- I still thought he played pretty well you know he had a couple of balls I know we'd like to have back and I think some of that has got to do with uh, that little shoulder injury he has but that's something we'll expect to get better uh, day after day big game coming up this weekend with Kentucky coming in Mississippi State opens the two-point favorite I can't say I'm surprised. I think Kentucky is a lot of smoke and mirrors. And they're better than I thought they were. But at the same time, too, I I think they can be had. We're going to break down Kentucky later in the week. But uh, I think this is a winnable ball game. I like the fact that we're at home. I like the fact we went to Vanderbilt and uh, took care of business. You know, a lot has happened since we have been together. And I probably sound like it, too. Uh, So, Thursday, you know, I had the – you know, the book signing at Celebration Village there in Tupelo with the Furniture Market. Had a good day. Had a great day on Friday. Sold a ton of books on Friday. Left there, went to the Bancor South Center, front row for Alice Cooper and Ace Fraley. 
And so here's the deal with Ace, man. Space Ace was my guy. When I was a kid, you know, Kiss was coming out. And in many respects, Kiss is almost like cartoon characters to all of us. I mean, they were great. They were, the band was great. I listened to Jam Kiss most of the way home from Nashville yesterday. But, but the reality of it is, is that, you know, that was my first rock hero was Ace Freely. I saw him at Rocklahoma, had a chance to meet him briefly, sat front row. And that's the thing I think about too, man. It's like to sit there and watch one of your legends, one of your heroes, you know, play Detroit Rock City and Strutter and Cold Gin and see all that up close and personal, man, that's, that's a great experience. And I say this because I love all of you. And I'm speaking directly to the rock community in the state of Mississippi. See, here's the deal, man. And I told you guys, you know, when I went to Three Doors Down and see their, you know, set up front, you know, I'm up there having a time of my life. So here's the deal, man. When these bands come to town, we got to go see them. One thing that I'll point out, too, is like, you know, like I had never seen Alice Cooper before. That sounds kind of crazy. And now after seeing the show, I think to myself, why have I denied myself the joy that is watching the Alice Cooper show? It's so theatrical. The, the Rock is great. Nita Strauss is great. Very, very talented woman. Very attractive woman as well. But Alice Cooper is a rock legend. And so to have a chance to get out and go watch a show, I don't know how long Alice is going to tour. I mean, Ace is 70 now. And so we talked about that. You know, he said, hey, a couple of facelifts here, some hair extensions there. You know, I'm doing okay. But how long are these bands going to tour? And so when we have shows, we need to turn out, man. We really do. I mean, you owe it to yourself. You know, because how many bands you look back and say, oh, man, I never got to see them. I never got to see him before they quit touring. Or this guy's dead or that guy's dead. They're not going to tour anymore. And so I don't think you can take those opportunities for granted. So I'll go see him next time. Nah, man, nah, you can't do that, man. You can't do that. I mean, how much of our life do we spend just kind of working and paying bills? You know, right? I mean, honestly. Go let your hair down a little bit. Be a kid for a little while. I don't care what kind of brand of music you listen to. You owe it to yourself to go enjoy some live music and hear the greats played their legendary hits to perfection. That's what we saw Friday night. It's incredible. Came home, got up, drove to Nashville on Saturday, of course, covered a ball game, spent the night up there, and uh, went to the Titans game yesterday, had a chance to see Jeff Simmons and Willie Gay, Anthony Gautry and Chris Jones, um, you know, play. And uh, it was not much of a ball game. Titans win. And it's interesting, too, I, I kind of did the math on this. It's the first ball game that I've attended in uh, over 10 years that I didn't have to cover. It's pretty rare that I go to a ball game and not working, whether it be high school, college, or whatever. So that was kind of cool. Really, really cool. And uh, I want to thank, um, you know, the Ballard family, man. They're great. It's one of those things you get a message and say, hey, got an extra ticket for the Titans from Daniel Ballard. So I went. It was great. Had a great time hanging with his family, enjoying the ball game, seeing our guys go out there and play, man. And it's interesting, too, when you don't have a vested interest in the game. You just kind of want to see a good game. You just enjoy the experience. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter who won that game yesterday, I was going to go home happy because Mississippi State won on Saturday. I'm true maroon, man. I don't have other teams. I mean, I'm a Steelers fan. If I was watching the Steelers play yesterday at Tennessee, I would have, you know, it'd been a different deal. But even then, I don't love the Steelers as much as I love the Bulldogs. But a uh, great weekend. The weekend of Steve is now concluded, so we're back to work. But, uh, man, so great to see so many of you that came out and said hello with Tupelo 
at the uh, Celebration Village. And, and uh, of course, a lot of you guys uh, in Nashville, so kind and gracious to come up and, and say hello and say how much you enjoy the show. And then even yesterday at Titans game, I'd, I'm leaving walking back to the car, got a handful of people to come up and say hello. Hey, Steve, it's good to see you. It's good to see you guys, too. We're all on this thing together. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I will be in there one day this week. I, I, I need that BLT salad. I, I just, you know, you know how it is when you're on the road sometimes, maybe you eat a little bit too, uh, a little too rough, right? You say, I only live once. I'm going to have a cheat day today. Then it becomes a cheat weekend. Then a cheat week. Cheat week. You know, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in there and have that BLT salad with the grilled chicken. You can get it fried or grilled. I prefer the grilled, but I, I, I can't. Complain about the fried too. I'm just I eat the the grill just to kind of be a little more health conscious. But uh, the reality of it is, it is a meal in and of itself. And a lot of times you go get a salad and you you kind of leave wanting more. That's not the case at Bulldog Burger Company. They'll take care of you. And maybe you say, you know what, Steve, I'm going to Bulldog Burger Company. I'm getting a burger. We'll go right ahead. Because you can't go wrong there. Bulldog Burger Company, a great place to do business, a great place to break bread. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo in the brand new one. Lake Harbor Drive there in the Ridgeland Flowood area. Go check them out today. You'll be glad you did. Have the spring rolls as the appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. And maybe get that chocolate shake to grow to go. Great people, great prices, great atmosphere. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's look at this ball game. Of course, uh, Vanderbilt wins the toss. They elect to defer. We've won a lot of tosses this year. But, you know, I think I want the ball first um, on the road at Vanderbilt, too. I want to go out there and set the tone. You know, if it was different, if I was playing, you know, maybe a team that I expected to lose to, you know, maybe I'd want to put my defense on the field first and maybe get a shorter field. But here we go. And uh, we talked about this on the show. Vanderbilt, not especially good at kickoffs, and they uh, have not had any touchbacks on the year. And so, as a result, we get a chance to bring the ball out. Kickoff has failed it. Tulu brings it out 21 yards. It looked like he was a block away from breaking it. The kid's got incredible vision. And so we set up shop there first and 10 at our 21. Uh, they drop in his zone right out of the gate, and apparently there was a little bit of confusion, and rather than Will forcing the ball, he just runs for two yards, he gets out of bounds. We come back to Tulu for seven, and again, Tulu falls forward. He's one of the smaller guys on the field, but you can tell the guy's been in the weight room. Every time he falls forward. That's a guy I want to go to on third down, right? Because I know a kid's going to fall forward. Brings up a third and one, and we run the ball uh, off left side with Jaquavius Marks. And that's one of the things I talked about. I just did not think their linebackers were quick enough off the edge to be able to seal uh, to the outside. They were not. We go back to Marks, and great, great, great perimeter blocking from the Bulldog wide receivers here. We throw it out to Marks. He gets it 21 yards down the field. Got a little banged up there, and uh, DJ kind of took the bulk of the carries the rest of the ball game, and, and, but he'll be fine. Uh, we go back to Makai Polk for 11. Great comeback route here. Makes a couple of guys miss. Gets 11 yards for the first down. We go back to Austin Williams. We're all the way up to the Vandy 36 at this point. Second and two. We go to Wiley for 19. It's good to see him really beginning to get more involved because he is a real weapon for us. He was our best receiver last year. Now you've got a compliment out there, so he's not always drawing so much attention. We go back to Polk for nine. Great 
Out route, great throw. Very difficult throw to make. You'll notice when you watch the replay, Will definitely kind of puts his foot in the ground, gets a little mustard on that one. It is a 7-0 ball game. The first offensive drive that we have put in the end zone the entire year on our opening drive. Now, of course, we returned the kickoff back against NC State, gave us a 7-0 lead, but that's the first offensive drive. And we've had three games this year where we turned the ball over on our very first possession. And guess what? We've lost all three. All right, so we go down and then do a great job defensively here. Scott Goodman, great kick, puts the ball in the end zone. Mike Wright, a little fake toss sweep to the left, runs up the middle for a four-yard gain. They did a little push pass thing to Rocco Griffin. We do a great job kind of stringing that out. Jalen Green puts his head in there, makes a good tackle. They go back to Griffin, and this time we string it out in a major way, ends up being a loss of four yards. And you know Griffin is their best running back, and that's not saying a whole lot. Again, I'm not throwing shade at the kid. But you knew they wanted to get him some touches early and get him involved in some unique situations. Martin Emerson uh, having a great year for us, really is. It's one of the things uh, I hear some people say, well, you know, you're not hearing much from Emerson. Well, people don't test him. They don't throw his way. And that's the thing about a corner is there aren't a lot of great highlights for corners because uh, when they do their job, the ball goes in the opposite direction. Harrison Smith in punts. Austin Williams with the fair catch at the 27. Bulldogs put together another great drive here and overcame some self-inflicted wounds here. We're complete to Dylan Johnson for six, which brings up a very manageable second and four. We give it to Marks, who runs for a four-yard gain and a first down. Back to DJ for one. And then we get a long, long running play here. Will Rogers, a little bit of a speed option, look to the right side, fakes it, runs for 17 yards, and they bring it back. It was holding down the field, and it was really an unnecessary hold. We're going to get a good play there. But at the same time, too, you know, I thought it said a little something about Will Rogers' health, the fact that we decided to run him there. We weren't really trying to protect him, and I think that really surprised Vanderbilt. We showed some of that in fall practice, haven't utilized it a whole lot. We do there. Brings up a second and 10. Wasn't a backbreaker, but uh, negated a big play. We're complete to Polk for 12. Automatically convert route near midfield now. Back to Tulu for seven. And then complete to Wally for 14, which gets it down to the Vanderbilt 30 with the first down. Then we give up our first sack of the day. You know, we knew Vanderbilt wasn't a great pass rushing team. Their front four really struggles to get any push. They, they, they kind of put up an interesting concept here. Their left defensive end lines up over Lashley and then basically goes into a zone coverage, and they bring the backer inside. Scott just whips, and he comes straight through, and it's a 14-yard – excuse me, 11-yard loss back to the Vanderbilt 41. Second and 21, you think, okay, we're sunk here. We're behind the chains, not going to make it happen. We find Jaden Wiley for 14 and then go back to Austin Williams for 14 over on the left side. Gives us a first down at Vanderbilt 13. And then we give up another sack. And, I, and this is one of those things, too. I kind of I charge this one to Will. I really do. I, I think Will's got to get rid of the football a little bit quicker. So two a holding call and two sacks on the drive. Brings up a second and 20. We're complete to DJ. Brings it up to the 18. And then we, we had an interesting play here. The first incompletion of the ball game for Will Rogers set a new program record opening the ball game 13 for 13. The 14th pass attempt is incomplete to Malik Heath. 
But here's what we did on this, and we came back to this later in the ballgame, is we overload the zone to the right with three receivers. And then we have Heath lined up to the left side. And what does he do? He drags across the formation after the traffic is cleared. I don't know that he gets the first down there, but I think, you know what, that is something we can utilize. A pretty basic concept, but then at the same time, too, you're getting Malik Heath, who is your most physical receiver in space, and Will just throws it a little bit too far out in front of him. If he catches it, you know, maybe we get a few yards there. Don't think we're going to convert. But at the same time, too, I like the play design, and I think that's something that you'll see a lot more of as we kind of move forward. Uh, Ruiz connects on the field goal, makes it a 10-0 ball game, and then Scott Goodman with a a fair catch called. Didn't get this one in the end zone, but they uh, they do fair catch it, and it is another touchback. Bulldog defense back on the field, and uh, so here we go. They run a little quarterback waggle and uh, set it, set this up with a post corner, and Devin Body kind of flips the hips of Jalen Green and then outruns Colin Duncan uh, for the football. Makes a big gain there, 61 yards. And I know many of you were thinking just like me, here we go again, right? Here we go again. How are we giving up a big play to Vanderbilt? Well, the defense kind of steps in, bows their back a little bit, even though that, um, you know, we're, we're, our backs are against the wall in the red zone there. Griffin runs for one, comes back for four, and then they're incomplete on third and five. Jaden Crumbody providing some pressure to run out the quarter. We begin the second quarter with Joseph Bullivus with a field goal attempt from 27. And if I remember correctly, he is perfect inside 30. That's a former Mississippi State recruit that went to Alabama and eventually transferred. Now he's at Vanderbilt. Interesting how life works out for us. Uh, 10-3 ball game, and you felt like, you know what, it could have been a lot worse, you know, because we could have let him cash in there. We don't. Defense played well in space there in the red zone and holds those guys to a field goal. So we come back, and again, this is our third drive, and you think, okay, let's go make something happen. Well, we go to Marks for nine. They were incomplete to Calvin. They had really, really, really committed themselves to removing that tunnel screen from our offensive uh, play calling. We ran it a couple times, and it seemed like every time we did, there was traffic there. They were in, in the passing lanes. Last, we called for a false start. Not off to a great start for Scott. I'm not as down on him as some other people are, but he's got to get better. Third and six, we're complete to Jaden Wiley for eight. And you think, okay, we've got a first down. Let's make some things happen. Uh, Marks and runs for seven, brings up a second and three. You know, what do we do here? Incomplete to Jameer Calvin. And there is a holding call on Cam Jones. And this was an absolute jailbreak. You know, they brought some pressure. We didn't pick it up. And Cam just kind of, grabs and holds to protect the quarterback. And then zone blitz concept again. They drop the left defensive end, 91, into the passing lane. He bats the ball up, and then Jalen Mahoney picks it off. And you just think, okay, at our 35, how do we let these guys hang around? This is already kind of opening up to be a nightmare-type scenario. On their very first play, and I don't understand what Mike Wright was looking at, I absolutely have no clue. And I know there was some pressure in his face. Jaden Crumbody made a great hit on him, but it shouldn't have impacted the throw as well as much as it did. But Mike Wright just lays it up there. It was just a matter of who was going to pick it off and who who does. Who, it's always Emmanuel Forbes, right? Emmanuel Forbes picks it off, brings it out to the state 40. 
And at this point, you kind of felt like, you know what, that was a great – again, the defense, given the short end of the field, they make a play. And from that point forward, it really felt like the Bulldog defense took over this ball game. Uh, first and 10 at our 40, will Rodgers complete to DJ for three. Then we're incomplete to Williams, incomplete uh, to Jaden. That, that Austin Williams play was the double pass. And he's a former high school quarterback at DeAberville. You got to make that. You got to make that connection because Austin Williams is wide open there. If you throw it out in front of him and let him run a little bit, he probably scores. But he has to work back to the football and ultimately traps it. It was the right call. The ball was incomplete. Fourth and seven. We're getting ready to punt. And then what, what do you know? Uh, Alex Williams just takes off, and and then not only is he offsides. He absolutely destroys Tucker Dave, made no attempt to get the football. It's a rough in the punter penalty. First and 10 then for the Bulldogs at uh, at the 42. We run for 13, and then there is a down-the-field holding call on Jameer Calvin and backs it up to the Vanderbilt 48 and makes it a first and 16. We're incomplete to Makai Polk. Nice little play there from them to break it up. We go back to Marks on a – uh, a swing out pass. And one of the things I've noticed too is on these check downs, we're giving the running backs a little more room to run. You know, early last year in the first part of this year, it's we just kind of check it out to them and they're near, near the sidelines. So there's not a lot of room to operate. We're basically running this stuff as an angle route now. It's like they, they kind of float out there and then we kind of dart them back inside on the angle. And so, you know, we hit marks, really nice run there. And then we go back to, Malik Heath uh, for six. And really thought he could have powered through and got the first down there. He had a stiff arm on him, and just the momentum of the play takes him out of bounds, brings up a fourth and one. We go for it as we should have. And Jaquavius Marks runs for three yards, brings up a first down. And then that, you know, that they design a pretty good run blitz here and kind of get inside, kind of chase the interior bulldog front there. Next thing you know, it's a one-yard loss. Brings up a second 11. No problem for Will Rogers. Perhaps his best throw of the day. Lays it up. Almost a little too much. But you know what almost counts for? Nothing in football. It only counts in horseshoes. Makai Polk, a great adjustment on the route to kind of slow his gait down and then secure the catch and drag the foot for a touchdown. It's 17-3 now, and it kind of felt like the ball game was over. You just think to yourself, there's no way Vanderbilt's going to be able to score three times uh, to win this game. Vanderbilt gets the ball back at their 25 after another touchback. Uh, Rocco Griffin with a short gain. Then they call timeout. And then we sack uh, Mike Wright. Randy Charlton credited with the sack there. Brings up a third and 10. They compound the problems at Vanderbilt with a false start. And they basically said, Clark Lee got really upset, said that we were barking signals. Now, here's the thing about all that stuff. Now, from what I understand, and uh, I've never officiated a football game, but what I'm told that the umpire is the guy that really pays attention to that. I'm sure the center judge is involved as well, but the umpire has the benefit of being able to look right at the quarterback. So you can see, you know, see him clap or hear what he's saying. And so Vanderbilt's complaining that State, and that, that specifically Nathan Pickering, was barking signals. Officials had no part of that. Mike Wright then flushed on third and 15, gets toward the sidelines, and then Tyrus Wheat hits him inbounds, knocks him out of bounds, and then they lose their minds. And this went on, this argument between Clark Lee and uh, Ken Williamson 
went on. And uh, to Ken Williamson's credit, I thought he handled it pretty well. And I'm sure Clark Lee was arguing for the rest of the game and not just that specific call because Clark Lee's been around a few 24 hours. He understands when a guy is hit before the white, that is still a legal tackle. Tyrus Wheat made a big hit on the sidelines. It looked worse, I'm sure, if you're a Vanderbilt fan, and there weren't many of them there. There's also holding on the play. We decline the penalty, and then we take the punt. Really, really bad punt, 30 yards uh, out at midfield. We take over here and basically put the ball game away. We complete the two-loop for a yard. We go back to J.J. Jernigan for four, brings up a third and five. We find D.J. for six, and uh, D.J.'s another guy, too, that runs with a forward lean. You know, he's, he is a guy that I want to have the football when we're short of the sticks. He'll find a way to get the first down. Will Rogers then runs for one and slides down. We're complete to Austin Williams for eight, which brings up a third and one at their 30. We find two loop for seven. Great job is to kind of settle in coverage there, make a great catch. Incomplete to Tulu, and then we find Jaden Wiley on the corner route, which gives us first and goal at the Vanderbilt six. And it seemed like we were pretty much determined that we were going to find Rufus Harvey here. Uh, we're incomplete to Rufus on the fade. A little like he got held at the line of scrimmage. Uh, probably okay with not getting a call there. And then we're incomplete again. And then finally go back to Rufus. And a great job by both players, both Rufus and Will Rogers on this play. Will rolls right, slips some pressure. And rather than allowing his momentum to uh, to carry him to the right there, he sets his feet as Rufus uncovers. Both Vanderbilt defensive backs that were pretty much in that zone all flow to the right, and Rufus checks back to the left, and it's an easy touchdown. It's 24-3 at this point, and I know our Starkville Yellow Jacket fans are absolutely losing their minds at this point because their boy Rufus with his first Bulldog touchdown. Not his first Bulldog catch, but his first Bulldog touchdown. All right, so we kick off again, and it's another touchback. And so Mike Wright sets up at the Vanderbilt 25, complete to Chris Pierce for 11, one of their best gains of the day, minus the 61-yarder. All right, so they go back to Cam Johnson for four, complete to Patrick Smith, brings up another third down. Mike Wright then runs for a one-yard gain, runs out of bounds, Tyrus Wheat there. And again, you go back to the previous drive probably knowing the intentions with which the Tyrus Wheat will hit you with. Probably made him pull up a little bit. Fourth and four, there's a false start on them. Backs it up again. Harrison Smith then a punt that Austin Williams catches at our 15. We take over with 46 yards. Uh, We get a nine-yard gain, which brings up a second and one. We call timeout and probably maybe regretted that later because of how the drive turned out. Uh, we're incomplete at Jaquavius Marks. And then on third and one, this was awful. This was an awful non-call by the officials. So Will tries to find Jaquavius Marks for the first down over on the left side. And they run through Marks. They hit him well before the football gets there. We don't get a call and ultimately, uh, you know, have to punt. But the reality of it is, is there was P.I. on the play. They didn't call it. We punt the ball back. Tucker Day with a 56-yard punt. His best of the day, it's returned uh, 24 yards at Vanderbilt, 44. They take over with 11 seconds. And then Aaron Odom comes off, man, really gets off there, beats the left tackle, takes the left tackle to the quarterback, and just engulfs right to close out the half. And so I would say a good first half for Mississippi State, not a great one, you know, not a great one. 
you know, we, we had some things we could have done better in that ball game, and I thought there were some, you know, there was a couple passes here and there that Will missed on. And then, of course, there were some other things around him. It wasn't just a Will Rogers issue. But it's too, you look up and it's like, you know, we hadn't played clean, but, man, we're up three touchdowns at the break. It's 24-3. to three. Many of us picked this ball game like a 31-10. to 10. A lot of people said, you know what, if we can get in the 30s, which I doubt we can, you know, we'll feel good about the ball game. But the reality of it is, it's 24-3. We're doing what a good team should do to a bad team, and that's blow them out. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and her friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. 
And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. All right, let's jump into the second half here. Good half for the Bulldogs. We, uh, of course, the, the, we had to kick because Vandy deferred. They elected to take the ball. And, of course, Scott Goodman comes through with another touchback. That's quite the weapon. I mean, it really is. I mean, it gets lost sometimes in translation. But the fact that people don't get an opportunity to return it very often against us is really good. Vanderbilt, of course, starts their 25, Mike Wright. They're determined at this point that they're going to run the football. And so they started a little option-style offense, put some wrinkles in there. We're going to kind of get right going. He rushes for five on back-to-back plays because Vandy at first and 10, if they're 35, they're complete to Brezhnev, who is a good tight end for them. And uh, he has eight yards. I really thought they got the first down. Like, I was very curious about – when I looked up and saw it second and two, I said, what? How, how is it second and two? Okay, whatever. They're complete to Devin Body. Martin Emerson absolutely blows it up, brings up a third and two. They decide to run, and then Aaron Brule knives through, makes a great physical tackle. And so then they have to punt. Great punt by Harrison Smith, 50 yards uh, to the state seven. And then this is uh, – a little bit of silliness here, I guess. I, I, I don't necessarily fault Will Rogers here. I thought I thought we could have been a little bit smarter. I know you want to play a little bit conservative when you're backed up, but I didn't think our play calling was exceptional here. But we run for two and brings up a second eight or incomplete to Wiley. Thought we forced it just a little bit there. Davion Davis breaks it up. And then we basically throw a ball up for grabs, and Tulu just couldn't get there. And I, I don't know if it's just because, you know, it's a great job by the, the cornerback to kind of force him outside. I don't know if we're just trying to run a post there and try to get him, but uh, basically serves as a punt. But, you know, we take a chance right there, and I guess maybe at the end of the day, maybe it works out the same way. But that's an interception that uh, would have been the third of the day had the, uh, the review stood up in the first half there. But uh, of all the ones that we threw, it's like the one that's batted at the line – you know, you look at it and say, well, I don't know if I can really charge it to the quarterback. This one you can. Of course, there's some things that happen. I don't know that if I'm going to be throwing the football off to Tulu in double coverage on a post unless he is just kind of running free. So, thought maybe our, our read there maybe wasn't a very good one, especially on third and eight. Why not just find Austin Williams there, right? <laughs> that seems to be what he's best at is moving the chains. Okay, so Vanderbilt takes over at our 48 in plus territory again. Uh, for the second time. And then Mike Wright, incomplete to Chris Pierce, then incomplete again to Brezhnev, crummeting in his face there. And then complete to Chris Pierce for 24 yards. I think that's their second biggest gain of the day. Rocco Griffin then runs for nothing. Mike Wright runs for one and brings up a third and nine. Incomplete and then Pickering all in his grill there. They make the field goal on the fourth and nine uh, to bring the score 24 to six. So again, both opportunities for them to put points on the board came due to Mississippi State miscues. Simple as that. Simple as that. All right, 829 to go in the third quarter. We take over after uh, after the, the uh, Tulu Griffin breaks one for 35. I, again, almost could have broke this one too. 63-yard kick. Griffin takes it at the two, brings it out to the state 37. So what do you know? We already got a you know, pretty good field position with the first down. We're already uh, fighting for, for plus territory. 
DJ runs for no gain. Then we find Christian Ford, who has kind of become a sneaky weapon for the Bulldogs. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? They're not even game planning for that kid, and every time you look up, he's moving the sticks. First and 10, we get sacked for a loss of four yards. And this is one where they just brought pressure. They brought the nickel out of the slot. And then we – I don't know if we just didn't adjust to protection, if we just didn't see it or whatever, but um, pretty good concept there. They get us uh, for the loss. Second and 14, we find Jamer Calvin for three. Brings up a third and 11. And what do you know? It's Christian Ford again. 20 yards down to the vanity 20. Brings up a first down in the red zone. Complete to Makai Polk for nothing. And then back to Malik Heath for 11, which sets up a first and goal at the nine. We're trying to find Polk here and um, back-to-back plays. And just quite the, – the, the fade routes in the red zone have rarely worked for us. Corner routes have worked well. Out routes have worked well. Slants have worked well. The fade is not so much. It's just not working for us. Third and nine, we find Malik Heath. Similar concept to what we talked about before. You flood the right side, drag him across – backside formation give him a chance to, to, to run after the catch he does touchdown uh, for the Bulldogs there makes it a 31-6 ball game and at this point it was just a matter of what the final score was going to be Vanderbilt gets the ball again this time they get a chance to return it Goodman's kick 61 to the Vandy four rather than fair catch it Rocco Griffin tries to bring it out and Janari Dean with a nice tackle in the open field there Vanderbilt first and 10 if they're 22 they run it to Patrick Smith for two, Jevin Banks, a guy that I think is going to be a good player for us in years to come with a tackle there. Mike Wright then complete to Will Shepard for four. Will Shepard, the best receiver in the Vandy offense, that was his only touch of the day. That was it. Completely took him out of their game plan. That's what good corners do. Martin Emerson, Emmanuel Forbes, didn't matter who was on him. They just simply didn't have a way to get him the football. And then a big, big sack, Tyrus Wheat there on the third and four, brings up the fourth and 13. And um, they punt it, and then we get called for a personal foul. Didn't get to see the replay in the booth, but at the end of the day, with the score the way that it was, you know, you know, there's no need for that kind of stuff. But there is a personal foul on Kyle Cass, 15 yards from the 44 back to the 29. You just, you know, you just – the special team silliness stuff, I mean, that, that's got to go. And Matt Brock will get that fixed. But, you know, Kyle Cass, a guy that we signed basically to be a depth guy at safety, and uh, he is contributing on special teams. And so if that's your only role, you can't go out there and do something to the detriment of the team. All right, State takes over at our own 29 with a minute 30 to go in the third quarter. DJ runs for eight, then runs for eight again, and a first down. First and 10 out to the State 45. We're complete to Rufus, who's having his coming out party. 11 yards to the Vanderbilt, 44. Then we're complete to Ra-Ra, a guy we hadn't seen much. You know, he was a guy early on. Some people said, you know what, don't be surprised if he's the starting next receiver at the end of the year. He's kind of disappeared. But all of a sudden, we decide to start feeding him in this ballgame. And, that, and that's good to see. I, I want to see these young receivers have some opportunities to make plays because we're going to use a bunch of them. Okay, so second nine at the Vanderbilt, 43. DJ runs for three. Then we're back to Ra-Ra, third and six. We run it to DJ again for seven. And on second and three, what do we do? We're back to Ra-Ra for nine. Go back to him on first and ten for five more yards. And so it's like we have run four of, excuse me, yeah, four of the last six plays to Ra-Ra Thomas. So it's good to see him getting involved again. Uh, we try to get one over to, uh, to Rufus on second and five at the ten, and it's broken up. And then, next thing you know, 
We're incomplete to Rufus again. I guess we're trying to get him on a touchdown. And there's a rough in the passer call. They showed the replay in the booth. Absolutely was rough in the passer. First and five, we give it to Jaquavius Martz, who bursts through for the touchdown. The kick is then good. And then Goodman's kickoff uh, returned 17 yards to the Vanderbilt 25, 38-6. And now you're thinking, okay, when do we start emptying the bench? Vanderbilt takes over at their 25. Rocco runs for two and then runs for 15 but it comes back on a hold. Vanderbilt just simply could not run the football. Nine yards rushing in the final. That's, it's crazy to think about that. All right, second and 15, Mike Wright complete to Patrick Smith for seven to the Vandy 27. Corey Ellington, a guy that Zach Arnett said was a young guy that we might see a little bit more, we saw. He actually made some plays. He was a guy, too, there were some people, when we took him, people said, I don't know about that kid. I've always liked him. He just needs a year or two in the weight room. Guy can really play. He's a great athlete. And you know, some, there's always a message board expert. So, well, I heard from this coach. No, no, you didn't hear anything. That, when, I, when I hear that kind of stuff, what I'm saying, what I hear is, well, here's what I think, and, and I don't have enough confidence in my own opinion. So let me just kind of attribute this to somebody else to give it a little more credibility. John Lewis also makes the, the, uh, the stop there. Okay, so on third and eight, we're complete to Cam Johnson for three yards. DeCambrion Richardson uh, with a nice play there forces the punt, and we fair catch it there at the 27. So, you, you again, you're beginning to empty the bench a little bit and getting some playing time for some younger guys. They're making plays. And just go back and look on, on the tackles for this one. Asias Furge, Corey Ellington, John Lewis, DeCambrion Richardson. That should all be good news to Bulldog ears. Uh, first and 10 in our 27, we're complete to Christian Ford for six. We go back to Ford for four and the first down. Complete his Jaquavius Marks for nine. Now we're out to the 46. False start on Lashley backs us up five yards. And again, Scott did not have a great day. Missed one, had a couple of uh, false starts, you know. Incomplete to Calvin on second six. Brings up the third and six. And what do we do? Will Rogers steps up and he's going to run, and then Caleb Ducking flashes in his face, and he hits him. Now, of course, we're across the line of scrimmage. But what Caleb Ducking did in the open field was remarkable. He explodes 59 yards, runs through traffic, fights through a couple tackles, and gets into the end zone. Now, here's the thing I'll say, too. You know, sometimes you see a big running play nullified by hold. So there was no penalty down the field. There was nothing that assisted Caleb Ducking in his pursuit of the goal line. That's just his natural ability. So I'd like to see more of that. Good to see, again, these young receivers. Robbie Falk had a really good column about that uh, in postgame on Saturday. It's about how some newer names were able to play because there was some separation in the ballgame. So we end up having a punt. Tucker Day punts 47 yards, and Tucker had a pretty good day to the 15. Vanderbilt takes over with 6.45, and then they have put the backup quarterback in. Mike Wright got a little bit banged up, I guess, and uh, there's just no need to to prolong that and risk further injury. Uh, Jeremy Mosa complete. And I thought Jeremy had a big arm, too. He threw the ball with some conviction. Complete for seven yards to the Vanderbilt 22. They complete for six, and then back uh, on first down, complete for two more. Incomplete, incomplete, brings up fourth and eight. 50-yard punt from Harrison Smith. Mississippi State takes over at 4.32 to go, and Chance Levertich makes his Mississippi State debut. Kind of forced this one a little bit to rah-rah 
it gets broken up there. But outside of that, I thought everything Lovertix did on this drive was outstanding. We're complete to Christian Ford for nine. We give it to DJ for six, picks up a first down on third and one. First and ten, we're complete to Caleb Ducking for nine. He fights through it, brings up a second one, then we're flagged for false start. Cole Smith backs us up a little bit there. Second and six, Lovertich tucks it, runs for seven to pick up the first down. We go back to Caleb Ducking for 13, and then back to him again for 18. It's like you think to yourself, where's this guy been hiding? False start on Grand Jackson. Guy kind of getting to see his first action there. Of course, this is the second team offensive line in there. And then what do we do? We find Ry Ry for 28. Beautiful throw, beautiful catch. Touchdown. Makes it 45 to 6. I read some of the social media commentary, too. People said, hey, Mike Leach is throwing the football up 38 6, man, late in that ballgame. Guys, what are we supposed to do other than run our offense? You mean to tell me these guys that are out here like Caleb Ducking, you know, guys like Rara Thomas, they're just not supposed to play? Chance Levertich, a guy that grew up in Mississippi State guy, finally gets a chance to go in there and play a drive. He's just supposed to kneel down? Nah, come on, man. It's not what we're going to do. We got, I mean, you got to see what these guys do when the bullets are flying, right? What happens if we have to put a guy in a game? They got to get some real game experience. I don't care. Doesn't really bother me. It used to bother me years ago when I didn't understand football as much, I guess. I don't care. You got the backups in there. You know, you need to find a way to stop them. Well, he didn't. And so, uh, to make a long story short, the game is over. Vanderbilt gets the ball back at their 27. And then, um, you know, Jeremy Moses complete and incomplete. And then the last play of the game, they take a shot down the field. Ball goes out of bounds. And the game's over. 45-6. State wins. It's a huge blowout without playing our best game. Now, they had something to do with it, too, but let's not sit here and diminish the opportunity. We went out there and played pretty well. Didn't play great, played pretty well. And then one going away. Will Rogers, 41 of 57, 384 yards, four touchdowns, a couple picks. And, again, I don't really fault him too much for the first one. The second one I do, even though it basically worked as a punt. Three sacks on the day. I charge Will with one of those and the offensive line with other two. Now, the one that comes off the slot there, you know, when they, they basically, I guess it was a nickel, they brought him free. You know, Will's got to see that change of protections or, you know, Lafley's got to see that. Somebody missed a communication there. So you could say some of that's on him too. Will has a tendency to hold the ball at times. Done better in recent weeks. But, um, again, people are going to see this with Lashley and they're going to see what happened against Alabama. They're going to bring pressure from that side. Now, the flip side of that, too, is, you know, Vandy tried to mimic some of the pressures that Bama brought. They just didn't have the same personnel. We're going to see some teams that have some comparable personnel, maybe not quite the same level of Alabama. So we're going to see a lot more rush than we are going to see drop. You know, there there are people now that are going to try to do what Alabama did because if you do what A&M did, it'll get you beat. Uh, Dylan Johnson, seven carries, 34 yards, no losses. Jaquavius Marks, eight carries, 33 yards, just a one-yard loss, also a touchdown. Chance Levertich, one carry for seven yards. Will Rogers, actually uh, six carries for 12, and, of course, his uh, – excuse me. Yeah, his big, his big gain was nullified due to a holding penalty. Leading receiver on the day was Jaden Wiley, five grabs for 72 yards. Makai Polk had a couple touchdowns as Rara Thomas and Malik Keith. 
and Rufus Harvey. So five throwing touchdowns on the day to four different receivers. Long play of the day was the touchdown pass to Makai Polk to really begin to kind of get some separation uh, in the ball game. And with Vanderbilt not running many plays, I mean, it, guys, it's bad. I mean, it, it, it's bad. So they ran 17 times. They threw it 25 times. We're talking 42 plays here. 42 plays in an SEC football game. And so you're not going to fill up a stat sheet if you're Mississippi State, you know, with uh, with tackles. Nate Watson, five tackles, your leading tackler. Uh, Tyrus Wheat with four. And Tyrus is always around the football. Isaiah Spurge in relief in limited action actually had four tackles as well. Martin Emerson with three. The big interception, of course, uh, Emmanuel Forbes there for a 22-yard return. Tucker Day had two punts on the day, averaged 51.5 yards per punt. That dog will hunt, had one of 50-plus, and, of course, one inside the 20. Uh, Ladetra Griffith had a chance to three returns, 76 along of 35. So, all-around good ball game for us. You know, again, and there's still some teachable moments here. You look at this stuff, too, with, with Vanderbilt. 12 of 17 for Mike Wright for 122 yards. They have 146 yards passing, and then they run for nine yards. And so it's 155 yards, and, of course, 61 of it comes on one play, right? So they had two plays that went for more than 10 yards on the day. That's it. The 61-yarder and then the 24-yarder, uh, their reception to Chris Pierce. They just and, – and it's like – we knew they were a bad team, and we made them look even worse. And let's not forget this, too. You know, like, I read people like, oh, yeah, it's just Vanderbilt. And, 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 guys, it is. Vanderbilt beat Colorado State. They beat UConn. It's a bad UConn team. They nearly go on the road and beat South Carolina, and that's not a great South Carolina team either. But the reality of it is this is a team that is they, – they, they've played well at times, at least competitively. And so then you go in there and smash them. And just when you think that, okay, maybe Van is figuring some things out, you know, we go in there and beat them up like we should. So there you go. That's a ball game. Time now for the top ten list. Close of Blair. Pretty excited about this one. Blair Chandler, longtime friend of mine, big fan of Blair's. Guy's been around a few 24 hours, to say the least. Guy's been in the mortgage business for 21 years. Top 1% close ratio nationally. This guy gets loans approved. If you're looking to refi, maybe the quarantine was really difficult on you financially. Maybe you weren't able to work for a while. Maybe your business suffered and you had to kind of dip into some personal savings. You're looking to maybe recoup some of that. Get your equity working for you. How about that? You got the big house. You got some money in it. Maybe you want to get out of, get out of prime mortgage insurance. That's just basically throwing money away. It's a nice little scam they have in the mortgage industry to kind of you know, kind of steal more money from you. But the reality of it is you're making an investment in your future. Maybe you can get out of PMI, lower your payments. Maybe you want to get your equity working for you and consolidate some debt, lower your monthly debt-to-income ratio. Visit Blair at CloseWithBlair.com. That's B-L-A-I-R, CloseWithBlair.com. And by being a loyal bond yard listener, and this is only available through you guys, right? It's only for you. And if you've got friends, I'm sure Blair would, uh, would be happy to let you share the code there. But tell him you heard about this on the Boneyard, and he's going to pay for your appraisal. The demand for appraisals has skyrocketed. Five to $600 value now. There's a lot of fees involved with buying a, buying a house. 
And uh, Blair can help you with some of that just because of the fact that he loves you. We're all family here. We're all family. I'm going to give you guys Blair's phone number. And uh, this is his personal cell number. This is not just, you know, a, a number to some office where you're going to sit behind a voicemail for, for three days and then hopefully get a call back. You can text Blair today. You can call Blair. He's a busy guy, but he'll get right back with you. His phone number is 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. And again, be sure to tell him you heard about it on the Boneyard to get your appraisal for free. How about that? Free. If it's free, it's me. All right, uh, so I went back and looked on Twitter to see who sent me the suggestion, but there have probably been about a dozen of you this day. Steve, we haven't done Rob Zombie. So we're going to rectify that today. We're going to look at the Rob Zombie catalog. Now, here's the thing about Rob Zombie and White Zombie. So there are a lot of songs that don't make the radio that are killer. There are. And so your top 10 may be different from mine. Of course, yours would be wrong. Uh, but the reality of it is there are some very passionate fans about Rob Zombie. Of course, he's into uh, making horror movies and things of that nature. Uh, Rob is a guy that's a very, very talented artist. In addition to being a tremendous musician, he's a great producer. He's got a spoon in every pot. Very, very talented. A bit of a renaissance man, shall we say. So these are my top 10 Rob Zombie songs. Of course, some solo, some with uh, White Zombie. And to be honest with you, at times I kind of prefer the white zombie stuff. I don't know why it is, but I just kind of prefer the white zombie stuff. So here we go. Uh, number 10, this was one that for a long time it had to kind of grow on me because it kind of drags a little bit, but it's Living Dead Girl. Number 10, Living Dead Girl. Number 9, probably one of the more unique songs in the catalog. It's I Am Legend. A little bit different for them. Starts out a little more melodic. It's just a different track. And so that's a deeper track that might not make your list that made mine. Number nine, I Am Legend. Number eight, if you ever listen to Howard Stern, this was, uh, this was a song that was gifted to Howard. It's the great American nightmare that Rob Zombie put together. And every time I hear the song, I think the Howard Stern show is coming on. I used to listen to Howard every day when I traveled every day. When I was in the regional manager in the lending business, I had to get out and go travel. And so as a result, Howard and I got to be well acquainted. All right, number seven. This is a two-parter, but it's Electric Head Parts 1 and 2. And it is basically a symphony of sound. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, that Rob kind of works in uh, some movie dialogue into the show, that kind of stuff. It, it's very, very different. So Electric Head Parts 1 and 2. So we're actually getting, I guess, 11 songs today. Number six, one of the great driving songs of our generation, man, Supercharger Heaven. That's the thing, too. Your Rob Zombie is a rock guy. You look at that guy and you fully understand that. But the reality of it is, is he writes a lot of up-tempo, hard-charging stuff. Got it really in the cars. But, uh, but also, too, that's the thing about the Rob Zombie stuff. If, if you're listening to it, you better set the cruise. Because you're going to get this reaction. You're gonna, your foot's going to hit the pedal. Number five, the, the second song, I guess the second big single for them was Black Sunshine. And I love the bass line on this one. I do. It's a little bit different, but I love it. I love how the bass is really kind of, uh, you know, kind of accentuated in this song. Uh, number four, Super Beast. 
a killer, killer track. Kind of like supercharger heaven. You better be careful when you're driving. Not to be consumed when operating heavy machinery. Bounty stretch. Super beast. An absolute banger of a track. Number three. I would say, in many respects, probably his best solo song. And it went everywhere. The video is great. It's Dragula. Dragula. Number three, Dragula. Number two, off the Astro Creep 2000 album. This was the first album, I think, that I bought right after my oldest son was born, or right before, because we came home to the hospital listening to this. And I love the industrial sound of this. I love how White Zombie and Rob Zombie began to kind of evolve evolve as artists and bring in more of the industrial sound, but it's more human than human. And I love the guitar on this one as well. This is another one, too, that um, I I don't know how you listen to it low volumes. I mean, it just seems like it would just be a reaction. Like, as soon as those opening beats start you kind of reach for the volume button but number one and i don't know that there could ever be and it's the one that kind of introduced white zombie and rob zombie to america in many respects even though they had some other earlier albums but it's thunder kiss 65 man that is one of those songs it's like you know exactly who you're listening to and the guitar tone is just a little different and that when rob zombie and white zombie kind of hit the radio it was a little bit different than everything else. Very, very unique. I think this is the signature song for White Zombie. It's Thunder Kiss 65. We've had that one on a couple of uh, lists uh, over the years. But that's the one, like, when, when people say, hey, do you like White Zombie? That's a song that immediately comes to mind for me. And I think it does for many of you as well. So there you go. That's your top 10 Rob Zombie songs, and I apologize where somebody hit me up on Friday. I told I told Roy, hey, we're going to do Rob Zombie on Monday. Should have already done it. So there you go. And uh, Rob's a little different dude now. Don't get me wrong. He's a little bit different. And uh, I think the, the beauty in all of that is what makes him so unique. You know, he is a guy that, again, that is involved in so many different things, an ultra-talented guy. So there you go, top 10 Rob Zombie songs. You have an idea for the top 10 list, reach out, let me know. I'm on all forms of social media, at ScoutSteveR. If you're looking for the list, you can follow Roy on Twitter and or Spotify at Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7, and you can find those lists. Many of you have searched those lists and say, hey, Steve, I thought you did this one, and then you didn't. And Gordon Griffin, my buddy, had uh, done a few before Roy began doing them, so sometimes we got to find those. Eventually, we'll get everything kind of moved into one place. But uh, it's been a busy few days, to say the least. All right, so there you go. Next segment of the show brought to you by CampusBookmart.net. I was there on uh, – I was with them Thursday, Friday. I will be back at Campus Bookmart this Saturday. So if you're coming to town for the Kentucky ball game and you need some books – you need them signed. You need to see my beautiful face. You can find me at Campus Bookmart. I'll be right there on, on the premises. Uh, I think that's going to be 11 to 3. 11 to 3 on this Saturday. So if you're in town, when you're coming to campus, you're doing your shopping, you come by and you see me. Happy to see you. And you can see Stand a Man, the lovely, talented Susie, uh, Miss Pam Mayard, Kathy Brown, Candy, everybody up there will treat you great because they see you as family just like I do. 
you know, it's like you, you come in wearing the maroon stuff, and it's like we're, you, you're not a stranger. You're just a friend we hadn't met yet, right? And so if you can't make the town to see their smiling faces, you can visit them on the World Wide Web on Al Gore's Internet at campusbookmart.net. And while you're there, let me give you a promo code. I mean, that's the thing. You listen to the show, we give you a little thing, save you a little money, right? Because you're going to be buying Mississippi State merch anyway. Use promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And then you order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net. All right, let's look at the weekend that was in SEC football. Uh, Arkansas, 45 three winners over Arkansas Pine Bluff. You know, I don't think anybody kind of tuned in today expecting to hear about that ball game. You know, it's just one of those things, right? You know, and they jump on them in the first quarter. It's like 17 nothing, And you're like, okay, how long do we, uh, you know, leave the starters in? At the half, it's 45 nothing. Crazy. The only scoring in the second half was a field goal late by Pine Bluff to prevent the shutout. That's it, 45-3. Uh, K.J. Jefferson, 10 of 17 for 194 yards, four touchdowns. And you basically just kind of out-athlete them here. Pretty good running day, but they spread the carries around. I mean, even uh, Burks, who I think might be the best receiver in the Southeastern Conference, ran two times for 56 yards, had a long of 49 on the end around, also 89 yards uh, receiving for him. So, so there you go, Arkansas off the three-game schneid there with their win, uh, 45-3. LSU and Ole Miss. Now, I've picked against Ole Miss three weeks in a row. They've made me look silly. They've won. Uh, Ole Miss in a pretty good spot right now, but they're still, again, basically effectively two games out of first in the West. You can say, but Steve, they're a game back. Guys, uh, Alabama holds a tiebreaker over Ole Miss because they beat them head-to-head. So Ole Miss, in order to win the West, uh, Ole Miss is going to have to either hope that Alabama loses twice or there is a three-way tie with which Ole Miss can find a way to win the tiebreaker. Alabama's on a mission right now. I mean, and, and we'll get to that a little bit later, but uh, I, I don't see them losing at this point. So those of you that are kind of holding out hope that Ole Miss doesn't win the West, uh, I think you're going to be okay. But I know you're also hopeful that Ole Miss will lose a ball game just so you can relax and enjoy the rest of college football season, right? But uh, listen, give Ole Miss some credit. Defensively, they've played better. And they told us, hey, we're going to be better than we thought. And, of course, you know, the beginning of the year, things get a little silly. And, um, yeah, they shut reporters out of there. But, uh, listen, they're playing better football. I mean, and, and it, it's okay for us to admit that. As much as we may hate it, Ole Miss is a good football team. LSU comes down and they get ahead 7 nothing, And then, you know, after a quarter, Ole Miss hadn't done a whole lot offensively. You know, LSU put that 90-yard drive together and got up early and you think, okay, here we go. Here, here we go. Here we go. And then all of a sudden, it's like things just fall apart. Ole Miss kicks a field goal, and then LSU, Ole Miss drives, puts together a couple drives. You know, they, they had the big turnover LSU did. So it's like you're up 7 nothing, and you look up at halftime, and it's 17-7. to And then Ole Miss just basically ends the ball game in the third quarter. Henry Parrish, a five-yard run. Jerry Anneli goes 36. It's 31-7 to at the end of three quarters. And there's some Ole Miss people who are saying, you know what, this is the last time we ever have to see Ed Orgeron. And he has given them some trouble since he's left. Uh, but it was kind of like the last kiss goodnight. And, of course, 
Uh, they add a couple of touch, a couple of plays later, you know, a, a field goal and a touchdown late to make the score look a little more respectable. But let's be honest, guys. In the middle quarters, Ole Miss was clearly the better team. Hadn't had a chance to go back and watch the ball game in its entirety yet. But uh, Ole Miss really removed all chances for OSU in this ballgame. And, of course, the big pick early on Max Johnson hurt. But the reality of it is uh, Ole Miss just too much offensively. Matt Corral, 18-23 for 185 yards and the touchdown. They even had uh, Ontario Drummond dial up a little trick play there. Uh, Snoop Connor, who I really think is kind of the unsung hero of this team, you know, Jerry and Ely has been a little bit banged up at times. Snoop Connor is a guy that a lot of people maybe undervalued as a recruit. Ran for 117 yards. This is their between-the-tackles guy. And that's the thing. When they can spread you out a little bit, when you have to respect Matt Corral's running ability, it opens up some running lanes inside. Snoop Connor taking full advantage. Uh, so, good win for them. And, uh, again, Ole Miss, 6-1. and 6-1, and one, guys, with five to play. It's the world we're living in right now. Okay, so this Tennessee game was awfully interesting for a while, but in the end, talent generally wins. We've talked about that before. That's kind of the reality of life. You can have the best plan in the world. You can be motivated. You can have that great pregame speech. You can get everybody's feelings rolling. And I guess the reality, sometimes I forget that A&M beat Alabama, so there's really a tie. But Alabama holds a tiebreaker. So, I really, Ole Miss just needs to win out and hope Alabama loses the ball game. And maybe, I guess, you know, that A&M Ole Miss game is big too. So, I, I apologize. I apologize. I don't spend a lot of time praising the Rebels. So, forgive me if I make some mistakes. But, of course, Tennessee jumps out to a 14-7 lead. You know, Alabama, it's like 7-0. They're just kind of rolling along there. And you're like, okay, it's going to be the same old, same old. Well, it wasn't. Tennessee fights back. Javante Payton with a big play who's having a big, big season up there. For those guys it's 14-7 after a quarter and people are like well, wait a minute now what's what's happening here and guys from there it was really the Alabama game and of course uh you know Tennessee kind of hung in there a little bit until Alabama's depth kind of got to them it's a 21-14 game at the break Bama adds a, a third quarter field goal to go up a score makes it 24-17 but in the fourth quarter it was really all Alabama final score 52-24 uh, Tennessee adds a touchdown to pull within seven on a big play to Cedric Tillman um, to kind of stay in there for a while. But after that, it was over. No longer interesting. Bryce Young, 31-43 for 371 yards, a couple touchdowns. If I had a Heisman vote today, that's who I'm giving it to. I do think Matt Corral goes to New York. I do think Matt Corral will be a finalist. But I think right now Bryce Young having the better year. And, you know, and, and they're winning winning some big ball games. And uh, even even in the game against a and I didn't think he was bad. So we'll see. And then B. Rob goes uh, again over 100 yards again. Uh, you know, that's the thing about Brian Robinson, just another just another guy at Alabama, you know. I mean, just another guy that's kind of putting some things together. Going to be a pro. I mean, it just it's amazing the level of which that they can recruit. I mean, it really is. You can recruit, 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 recruit. And then guys will stay. It's pretty crazy to think about. Okay, so uh, Texas A&M has not lost since they lost to Mississippi State. Of course, they lose to Arkansas, lose to Mississippi State. They figure some things out, beat Alabama, beat Missouri, now have beat South Carolina. And you say, well, you know what, 
they should beat Missouri and South Carolina. And you're right. But there has been no hangover, and I think offensively they have found some real rhythm. They jump right on these guys, 14-0, and Anaya Smith with a big punt return to open the scoring, and then Calzada does a touchdown pass to Watermeyer to make it 14-0. Then it's 31-0 at the break. 31-0. The game is over. Into three quarters, it's 41-0. And then... South Carolina scores a couple of garbage touchdowns against the Bandits, including uh, one with 12 seconds left to make it 44 to 14. Calzada, though, still kind of pedestrian, 50%. But let's be honest, they're kind of running to set up the pass a little bit. And I guess in some respects, they're running that play action stuff just to kind of keep the defense honest. Uh, but Achain runs 20 times for 154 yards, and then Spiller 18 for 102. So you got 200-yard rushers in this game, and they're completely different backs. Completely different backs. Going to be interesting to see what these guys do down the stretch. A&M 6-2, you know, obviously you could see them winning out. I mean, could you not? I mean, you start looking at this schedule and you start thinking, okay, Ole Miss is arguably probably the one game you look at and say, yeah, that's probably a loss. You know, Auburn's going to A&M this weekend. That's a toss-up, but it's at home. And so you think, yeah, they should probably be okay. But Auburn's playing playing pretty well. So A&M's got to go to Ole Miss, then they get Prairie View, and then they got to travel to LSU. That's would be Ed uh, Orgeron's uh, swan song. But I think it's pretty apparent at this point who would pick LSU to beat A&M. I wouldn't. And so you begin to look at the schedule here, and there's four games left for A&M. Really good chance they're going to win three of the last four, if not all four. And you say, you know what? Those guys could go 10-2, and two, probably not be in the playoff, but, uh, but get a great bowl game somewhere. It's a wild year, for sure. Interesting, uh, we got Kentucky coming in. You know, the line opened up and State is favored by two. I'm sure that will fluctuate a little bit here, you know, in the days to come. But, you know, when I look at this Kentucky team, and we're going to break them down and kind of preview them a lot more, as we uh, get later into the week. It's one of those things, too, you – sometimes you begin to ask yourself, you know, is, it, is this my heart or my head, right? Kentucky is 6-1. and one. I will be the first to admit I undervalue these guys. I did. But when you look at the schedule and look at the results, you kind of look at this and you, and you kind of think, you know what? Is this kind of like the we believe year for them? Because they beat UL Monroe 45-10. And if memory serves me correct, that was a little bit of a tussle early. And, of course, you know, the SEC strength and conditioning program kind of takes over. Yeah, no, nah, it was 14-7 in the first quarter. The next thing you know, it's, it's over. But um, then they, they beat Missouri 35-28. And uh, Missouri has really disappointed me defensively this year. But uh, as they win that game by seven – they beat UT Chat 28-23, and it took a pick six to do it. Then they beat South Carolina 16-10, just couldn't do anything offensively. And, again, South Carolina just don't have that. didn't have the athletes to pull it off. They rebound after two lackluster weeks and beat Florida 20-13. And then they destroyed LSU uh, 42-21. And I think that's when people begin to realize this LSU thing is officially over. Uh, they get beat by Georgia 30-13, no shame there, and they've had the week off. And so I look at this and I begin to ask myself, 
who's the real Kentucky? Okay, so UL Monroe, trash defense, they score a bunch of points. Missouri, trash defense, they score a bunch of points. UT Chat, an FCS school, they don't do much offensively. South Carolina, not a great defensive team. They put up 16 points. And, of course, they beat Florida 2013, but they also had a blocked field goal return. Those points count. But when I look at this offense, I begin to kind of wonder, what, what's, what's really the deal here? Uh, Will Levis, 1,326 yards. He's a 119 of 177, 13 touchdowns. Chris Rodriguez, kind of the straw that stirs the drink for them in the running game, has already run for 775 yards. Wondell Robinson, who I think is one of the best receivers in the SEC, he's not talked about enough, 566 yards on the year. But they're getting it done defensively. It's like you look at this stuff and you say, okay, yeah, I mean, they have not been very consistent offensively, but they have been pretty consistent defensively. And that's where you kind of got to stand up here and look, okay, Georgia's going to score on anybody. When you've got the better players, it's kind of how it happens. But they hold LSU to 21, and that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty dynamic set of playmakers down there, even though that they have struggled here as of late. You know, when they played, you know, things still mattered back on October 9th. You don't think Florida has out-recruited Kentucky? I do. And they, you know, they hold Florida to 13 points. And, and that's, you know, that kind of goes back to the whole Mark Stoops, Dan Mullen thing, right? I mean, ever since Mark Stoops has been in the league, he's had to play Dan Mullen. So he should have a pretty good idea of what to do. And so he's kind of kind of figured some things out against Dan. And then you give up 10 to South Carolina and then 23 to UTJ. Missouri's really the only team not named Georgia that has consistently moved the football against Kentucky. And Missouri, of course, three and four in the league and 0 and three, excuse me, 0 and three in the league and three and four overall. But they have been pretty prolific offensively. So, again, we'll, we'll look at that a little bit later uh, in the week, kind of break those things down. I want to talk to you, too, about uh, one of the best games of the early Jackie Sherrill years that involved Kentucky. And this segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. Brooks Bryan, a longtime friend of the show and a longtime friend of Mississippi State, part of this whole thing about making Starkville a better place to live, and it is a wonderful place to live, but – Brooks, part of a great group that has brought an incredible residential development right here to Starkville. I've told you guys, if I was moving to Starkville now, this is where I would move. Very easy to get to. You turn off of 82 on a 12, you take the very first ride, which is Pat Station Road, and that takes you right to Portico. It's 1.1 miles from campus, and it's on the best side of campus, the quiet side of campus, right, the residential side of campus, a lot of commerce on the other side of campus. And so you're close to all that stuff, and you're close to that neighborhood market, but you're far enough away to have a little privacy and some peace and quiet. But it's close enough that if you want to go, hey, if you're a runner, you can go out there and run, run on campus. Very easy to get to. Got that great walking trail, though, at Portico. Maybe, maybe you don't want to go to campus. But the way that I look at it is you move to Starkville really for one reason, and that's to be close to Mississippi State events, right? That's what you want. And I know many of you are only here on ballgame weekends. Here's a little dirty secret. We don't wear Mississippi State gear every day. Most days, but not every day. Like today, I'm, I'm wearing a Shinedown shirt today. But, you know, it's a great place to live. The people here are great. I, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. 
and I've said before, even if Mississippi State like packed up and moved, took the circus elsewhere, I'd still probably stay here. I like it here. People are great. You can get a two-bedroom, two-bath house up to a four-bedroom, four-bath house there at Portico. I'm going to encourage you to give Brooks a call, a call, a text, whatever you need. Brooks is going to answer all your questions. Portico is the place to be. 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. You know, and the best thing about it is, too, is, uh, you know, we're now in phase two. And so you can be a part of the building process. Now, you don't have to go out there and get a hammer and nails or anything like that. But what you can do is go ahead and pick out your lot and pick out the floor plan of your home, and they can build exactly the way you want it. That's a really cool thing. So instead of you having to like, because you know how it is, you move in the house, well, I like everything but this. Or if I had to do it over again, I would have done this. Well, you can have some say in that now. And many of you are thinking, you know what, I can't move in the middle of school year anyway. This is a perfect situation for you. Uh, give Brooks Bryan a call today. Again, that phone number is 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And if, and if you're driving today and say, you know what, I don't, I'm not going to remember the number, just text me or just DM me. I'll send it to you. 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. Okay, one of the most incredible football games that we have ever had happened in 1992 against the University of Kentucky. It was an insane football game. Now, earlier in the year, Mississippi State expected to be really good that year. A lot of people said high expectations for Mississippi State. We had Sleepy Robinson back with preseason number 21. And then we go to Texas and we win. And during that ball game, Sleepy gets banged up a little bit. We bring in Greg Plump. We win the ball game 28-10. Well, the next week, we lose to LSU. And we beat Memphis. And we go beat Florida. And in the Florida game, we lose Sleepy for the year. We start Todd Jordan against Auburn. We win 14-7 at our place. But it took a punt return in the fourth quarter. I believe Tony James that made the difference in the ballgame. We lose at South Carolina and really kind of struggled offensively. And so Greg Plump eventually kind of became the guy. We blast Arkansas State 56-6. to And then we go on the road to Kentucky. And this Kentucky team was pretty wild. Okay, so they weren't a great defensive team. But offensively, they were pretty impressive. They were a team kind of similar to us. You know, had the athletic quarterback, more of a dual-threat guy. They just couldn't stop anybody. And so we knew if we could just go over there and get a couple stops, we could win this ball game. And uh, it's pretty crazy how this thing – kind of looking at the Kentucky schedule too. You know, they get off to a pretty good start. They beat Central Michigan. They lose at Florida, but it's a respectable score. You know, it's 35-19, and that's the fun and gun years, right? They beat Indiana, beat South Carolina. So they're 3-1 – and one headed to Oxford. They lose that ball game, 3-2. and two. They beat LSU in Death Valley. So they're 4-2, and two, and to be respected. They get, make sure I'm looking at the right year. Then they get blistered, of course, by Georgia. And, uh, and so then we get them. We get them, uh, and it's a, a pretty crazy deal. I guess that Georgia game was in Lexington. And so we get them at their place, and uh, let me take you through this ball game. It, I, I listened to this game on the radio. I was on my way to see my dad. I think it's correct. But uh, kind of bebopping along uh, Highway 49 and trying to catch radio stations. You know how it was back in the day. It was very frustrating You know, in the days before we had satellite radio. 
It's like you, you're driving, hey, let's listen to the ball game. And it's like, oh, well, then you lose the broadcast. And thankfully, Mississippi State had a great radio network, so you didn't have to travel too long. We didn't have Twitter back then. We didn't have cell phones back then. Couldn't call somebody and get an update on the game. You just kind of rode in silence and just kind of worked up and down the radio dial until you found something. And, and then occasionally you would get that, you know, static-filled Jack Crystal magic and then the closer you get, you're like, okay, well now we're, we're on the con now. We're good. That's kind of how it was for me. And so sometimes I would lose the signal and then come back, and then one of the other teams would have the lead. It was a wild, wild ball game. Now, let's go back and look at this. Okay, so here's what happens in the ball game. You know, Greg Plum gets a start. We take the open and drive down and go right down and score. And uh, Kenny Roberts with a great long run. We could run football back then. When you, that's the thing, too. When you had, we had a dual-threat quarterback, but we also had a stable of running backs. Uh, Carl Williamson with a four-yard plunge there to make it a 7 at the ball game. Kentucky comes back, kicks a field goal, a 53-yarder. Pelfrey, just absolutely great, great kicker for them. Makes it 7-3. We kind of bogged down a little bit. They kick another one, makes it seven to six. Eventually, they get another big drive, and we make a touchdown saving tackle inside the 10, and the defense holds up. And we didn't realize at the time how significant that play was going to be. We force another field goal, makes it nine to seven, Kentucky. Well, then Michael Davis gets loose. Michael Davis uh, featured in Alpha Dogs. Michael Davis gets loose, big, big run there, puts State back in front 14-9. And on the very last play of the half, Pelfrey kicks another field goal. So it's 14-12. So Kentucky has moved the ball well between the 20s, but Pookie and those guys not able to get in the end zone. Bulldog defense standing tall, Daniel Boyd, those guys doing a great job. And so it's 14-12, but we felt kind of unfulfilled because we had had some other opportunities offensively and just weren't able to convert. And, again, it's one of the great Kentucky defense. But we had the halftime lead, but you just kind of felt like, okay, at any point we're going to break loose here and uh, put some distance between us and the Wildcats, even though we're on the road here. And lo and behold, uh, we strike first in the second half. Michael Davis with a another big run and then follows it up uh, with a, a nice in red zone run of his own. Made it 21-12. So we're up nine. You're thinking, okay. They got to score twice to catch us. We're good. Well, they come right down. Pookie takes them right back down the field, and they score. Makes it 21-19. We end up having a punt. They go back down and score again. Had kicked a field goal to take their first lead of the ball game. Is that right? Yeah, 22-21. to And then we kind of felt like, you know what, uh, we're in no, – I guess that's not true. They did have the 9-7 lead early on. Uh, so 22-21, and so we're in a fight. You know, it's like we're up two scores. Next thing you know, they scored back-to-back drives and um, and take a lead. They end up tacking on, which is crazy you think about this. They scored 17 points unanswered. Uh, Damon Hood had some success running on the interior against us, and then they have uh, the one-yard plunge there. Makes it 29-21. And then they had a chance to almost put us away. And they go down, and then Pelfrey actually misses a field goal. And that kind of lit a fire under us. Michael Davis got going again. And so we go down the field. Michael scores. 
No, I'll take that back. Michael didn't score. Michael had the big run to set it up. We run the option play to Tony James, and he scores. And then we go for two, and we give it to Michael Davis. Michael Davis had the big draw. We ran a draw play, and he got into secondary, and that's just like, you know, trying to tackle a grease bowling ball. So we go for two. We make it. It's 29-29 late in this ballgame. And you're thinking, okay, this is going to be one of those things where it's going to go down to whoever has the ball last. It, all, it nearly did. It, it, it nearly did. So Wood gets loose again for another touchdown for Kentucky. They kick the extra point. Now it's 36-29. State gets the ball now, I think, like three minutes left. Greg Plump leads us down. We convert two fourth downs on the drive. And I thought Greg was outstanding. You know, it's just like Greg was kind of willing us to a win here. Willie Harris kind of had had a slow start, but kind of got going late. And next thing you know, the stars shine brightest, you know, on the biggest stage. Willie with the touchdown catch five yards out to, uh, to bring us within a point. Rather than kick the extra point, we go for two. And we make it. Kenny Roberts... We pitch it to Kenny on the left side, and he just basically outruns everybody in the end zone, dives into the end zone, makes it 37-36. You think, okay, what's it? No, it's not. That's not it. That's, that's not it. Kentucky and Pookie put together a great drive. They drive down the field. State stiffens up, and it was crazy, too. We had a chance to pick it, and somehow the ball got through our hands. Kentucky gets it, calls timeout with two seconds. They bring Pelfrey out there, one of the better kickers in the, kickers in the country. And so you just think, okay, this is how this is going to end. We've had this incredible ball game, and Pelfrey has been really their best offensive weapon on the day. And what happens? Just as the pass back is back, Bulldog safety Jeff Artigas comes off the side, lays out full extension, blocks the kick, state recovers, the ball game is over. An absolutely wild night on Halloween and the Bulldogs get a W. And uh, I actually have some post-game quotes for you guys. How about that? Expecting that, were you? You weren't expecting that. So, so here we go. So thanks to our good friend Dave Murray. You know, Dave is the guy that, that archives everything. So about the, um, you know, about the uh, the late field goal. So Greg Plum says, "I was just praying. I was praying." Uh, the, guy, the guy had hit one from over 50 yards, and I was pretty sure he was going to make it. But I could see it in the eyes of our guys during the last time out. They were going to make something happen, and Jeff came up with the block field goal. Interestingly enough, the, the uh, Watson Brown was offensive coordinator at Mississippi State at the time. He's the one that called the big play there. And you think, that's a thing that we've talked about on the show. You know, you know late in ball games, sometimes it's not really about – it's not really about play calling. It's about getting the hand, the ball in the hands of a guy that can make plays for you. And that's basically what happened to us. You know, late in the ball game, it's just like, you know what? We got to find a way to make a play here. And here's what Watson Brown had to say about the two-point conversion. And State elects to go for it, of course, rather than just uh, kick the extra point. Watson says, we flipped it to him on the corner and told him to outrun him. He barely got in. I looked over there, and it looked like he was running in molasses, but Kenny can run. It was just one of the many little close things in that game, like that run on fourth down. Kenny couldn't have made the first down by more than an inch. And that's one of those 
fourth downs that we converted. Um, and what's interesting too is, um, you know, late in the ball game too that you know we didn't have like a special punt block, field goal block play on. And Watson kind of confirmed that. There was nothing called that was spectacular, just players making plays. Somehow somebody made the right play at the right time, and that's the way you win ball games. Every week somebody's got to make a play to win a game. Tonight we always happened to make just barely enough to win, and the players did it all. Pretty impressive win for Mississippi State. And it's one of those things too. It's um, it's pretty crazy how life works. You know, like Jeff Artigas, the guy that that big play in the ball game. Uh, so he was a former place kicker that walked on, ended up earning a scholarship, and then makes a play in many respects to kind of save our season. Jackie Sherrill said in the postgame, before the game, I said someone in this room would win the game somehow, whether it's in the offense, defense, or the kicking game, somebody in this room would win the game. And little did we know, it'd be Artigas. Interestingly enough, he still showed the, uh, you know, the scar, you know, <laughs> the mark of the football on his arm. And he pointed to it during postgame and said, hey, it hit me right here. It felt great. What made it easier for me was our inside linebackers. They were getting a good rush, and that makes the corner real short for me. They did it all night. I really felt like I should have blocked one or two of the others. With the game on the line, it was everybody gave their all, all going for the block. I came from the outside. I knew I just had to get it. So there you go. There's Mississippi State winning a huge ball game at the time at the University of Kentucky. So, again, a great game. It's one of those ones I remember where I was. And it's so interesting that Mississippi State played three quarterbacks that year. That's the thing, too. It's so crazy to think about. And we entered a year thinking Sleepy Robinson's going to be our guy. And then we lose Sleepy to a major injury against the University of Florida. Going back to that, that great 92 season, too. You know, we had some real high moments in the ballgame. I mean, in the season, obviously. It was a bowl season for us, as well as it should have been. You know, Jackie came in and kind of taught us we could win again. Of course, we, we opened the season and we beat Texas, and of course, we lose LSU Memphis. And so we get down to uh, the Kentucky game. We win 37 36, the middle game of a three game win streak. We beat Arkansas the next week, 10 3 in Starkville. We get Alabama. We lose to them 30 21, number two Alabama. And uh, one of those games, I think a lot of people feel like we probably should have won. We lose the Egg Bowl 17-10 and kind of limp into the Peach Bowl. And then North Carolina beats us 21-17. We end up blowing that game. It is, it's one of those things you just kind of felt like, what if Sleepy had been healthy the rest of the year? Yeah, we, we beat South Carolina. We'd have beat Ole Miss. You know, those are things you look back in hindsight and you kind of wonder. And it's some, sometimes I wonder – if there, we weren't always cursed. My hope is that we maybe we have broken that with our NAFL championship season in college baseball. Remind you guys, too, if you haven't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com and you can pre-order copies of Dogpile. Get them signed and personalized right there. Let me just tell you this. If you want to get a book before Christmas, uh, that's the best way to do it. If you are waiting around for it to hit the market, there's a good chance that we're going to sell out before Christmas. I'm just going to be honest with you. Do that paper shortage. Uh, they're not going to be able to fulfill the original order for us. You know, we ordered X number of books, and they get back with my publisher and say, hey, we're going to have to send you the second part of this order later, Valentine's Day, March, whatever. 
we're not going to be able to get all this done before Christmas. And so that's the reality of the situation. So to ensure you get one, go to dogpilethebook.com. While you're there, you can get personalized signed copies of Flim Flam, Alpha Dogs, and Stark Villains. We sold a ton of Stark Villains in Tupelo last couple of days. Very, very interesting to me that we did that. Book's been out a couple of years, but it's a, it's a great book. I, I learned a lot by doing it. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, and many of you still are because you still message me, you can find it at Amazon, uh, barnesandnoble.com, booksandmegan.com, or order it through your local bookstore. So we'll be back on Wednesday, and uh, we'll preview what Kentucky – we'll break down Kentucky and kind of preview that game. We'll get Mike Leach here in just a little bit and uh, have some comments about that later on jeanspage.com. Eager to see what Mike's got to say today uh, after the ball game. And uh, interestingly enough – this is one that I think many people expect Mississippi State to win, even though Kentucky has a better record. We went up there and played an absolutely pitiful game last year, threw six interceptions in the ballgame, could not get anything going offensively. K.J. Costello just really kind of fell apart on us. And uh, defensively, we actually played pretty well in the ballgame. That's when things – you go back and look at those numbers, and we'll talk about that some on Wednesday. It's You go back and look at it, and you think, this is absolutely ridiculous. We gave this game away. And he said, well, Steve, it was 24-2. Yeah, you go back and look, we absolutely melted down in that football game. The only time in the Mike Leach era his team uh, did not have an offensive point. Pretty crazy to think about. I suspect we have some this weekend. be interesting to see how Mark Stoops tries to attack the air raid uh, this year. That's going to do it for today, man. Be back on Wednesday. Love and appreciate all you guys. Hope you have a great week. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.